0: If you take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 4, David just thanked the Lord again for our children. Mark chapter 4. What a blessing to hear them this morning recognize that even the lives in the womb are great works of God. I know Cameron got that started with my own grandchild, um, but it spread, and they all recognized and and we should recognize we're all here today because of an amazing work of God in our mother's womb. It's an amazing thing, as we were singing about the good, good Father that we have, I was thinking. Of my dad who's uh, who we celebrated his 86th birthday yesterday and uh, when I was a little boy about three years old um, we had a we had a tornado uh, come through our neighborhood you've heard of t- tornadoes somehow picking on trailer parks well we had the only house in a trailer park and it picked on us and uh, I watched my swing set walk across the front yard of our house. And then, and then my mom got us in the bathtub and laid on us while it went through. And after that, I struggled with nightmares. And every time, every single time I had a nightmare, which was often, I would go running to my dad. Never one time did he ever cuss me out and tell me to go back to bed, tell me to grow up, tell me to get over it, every single time. And I've been running to my father ever since I came to know him. Because I had a good model. And I know in a perfect world we'd all have dads like that. And I know everybody didn't and doesn't. But we do. In the Lord Jesus Christ, when we believe in Him as God's great provision for us, His only provision for us, He gives us access to our Maker, to our Creator, to our Father, and invites us, no matter what the nightmare, and we have them, no matter what the difficulty, no matter what the trouble, no matter what the problem, come running. I'm going to be there. And He's always there. Look with me. Mark chapter 4. These um, watery eyes can't see very well. Verse 35. That day when evening came. Remember that day he was teaching with parables. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was, in the boat there were also other boats with them. With him a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped Jesus was, was in the stern sleeping on a cushion the disciples woke him and said to him teacher don't you care if we drown he got up rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They thought they were terrified when they were about to drown. Then they got really terrified when he said, Quiet, be still, and glass. Completely calm. Who is this? Who is this? I praise God for the apostles and their companions like Mark. Mark was at some of these events in person, but probably not this one. And he got this, he got this story probably from Peter and passes it on to us as he said in the first chapter, the first verse, that he's trying to show us, show us the readers, who is this Jesus Christ? The Son of God. Who is this? The one who just spoke in parables and explained to them in these parables that God was doing a work, that God was, was bringing together a family, a kingdom, and that it was starting very small, but it was going to get very large as more and more people kept putting their trust in him. And, and we recognize as we were going through that parable, remember, it's still very, very small. Oh, it, it, it feels good this morning here together in this room that's, that's pretty full of people. But when you compare us to the population of our county, we're just a small group. And I mentioned, and, and praise to God, and praise God for his work in those two Indian pastors that we that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. They're both still living. They both survived numerous surgeries, and it looks like they're both going to make it. So we praise God for that. But in India, where those, where those two pastors had come for training and then were on their way home on their bicycles, got hit by a truck. In India, there are millions of Christians, but there's over a billion people. There are almost no Christians compared to the number of Hindus and other religions in India. It still, it still hasn't reached its, its, its peak. This, this family, this kingdom that God is making of believers, but he's doing it. And he's doing it through his son. As Jesus told that, you know, kind of gave that parable, that, that proverb of the light not being, you know, you don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, you, you lift it up and put it on its stand for everybody to see. Jesus was talking about himself. He's talking about us. He was talking about his word. Who is this that was saying that stuff? Who is this that was pointing to himself as the way for people to have peace with God, to have their sins forgiven, to have the gift of eternal life given to them, guaranteed to them? Who is this one making these promises? Well, that night in the boat, they found out who he is. He'd already been showing it. He'd already been showing himself. He's already been healing people. He's already been casting out demons out of people. He's already showing his power in great ways. But there's something about that storm on the lake that gets through to people. There they are, facing death. They're, they're sure of it. And remember, some of these, some of these guys out there are, are experienced sailors. They're out there. They're experienced fishermen. They know these waters. They know this lake. They know that they're in trouble. I find it interesting. They had some clue as to who he was. Those healings, those demon exorcisms that had done something to them, those times spent with him in prayer, those times spent with him in explaining the parables, explaining the gospel, had had some impact because... They, went, they woke him up. They woke him up assuming or hoping that he could do something. He can. And he did. We read a little, a little passage from Job 38 this morning. I would encourage you go back and look at that larger section surrounding Job 38. This is where God is answering Job and and some of the complaints that he'd been leveling as he's going through his, his terrible times, as he's going through his storms. And God was letting Job know of his God's great power, of his great wisdom of his ability to create and to, and to have dominion over his creation. And when you read that, even beyond the section that we read this morning, you will see that the one who calmed the sea for those boats that night is the same God who spoke to Job. They are one and the same. And that is one of the great points of this Gospel of Mark that we're looking at over these months. Jesus, the Son of God, is God Himself. Nobody else can do what He did. Nobody else can do what He does. He is God. The disciples were starting to become more and more aware of that they went to him as we should and and if you haven't learned that lesson yet when you are in trouble run to him call out to him As the psalmist so many times says throughout the psalms, I cried out to you and you heard my plea. You heard my cry. He hears us every time as he heard the disciples that night waking him up. Now, they were were wise in waking him up. But he knew they didn't even have to wake him up. Because he knew who he was and he knew what his plan was and he knew where where his life was going. He knew that he wasn't going to drown out in the Sea of Galilee. He knew he was going to the cross. They still hadn't put that together enough. They should have. He had already fulfilled so much of the Old Testament prophecy, especially of Isaiah, concerning what the ministry of the Messiah was going to look like. He was already doing that right in their faces. They should have recognized, oh, he can't die out here. He has has more work to do, including dying for our sins and then rising again on the third day. They, They already had enough material, enough experience to put that together. They hadn't put that together yet. And we don't blame them for that. We probably wouldn't have either. But they had enough that Jesus, you know, chides them for their lack of faith because they should have had the faith. They had enough, again, material already, enough experience already to have the faith to know that Jesus wasn't drowning out there in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. They were going to survive that storm just fine, even if he didn't calm it. But having been awakened like that, he decided, well, I might as well do something special. I might as well help him, help him understand this one more time in a very significant way so that they won't forget it. And, and remember, remember, he had this in his mind as well. And when the apostles tell this story and when Mark writes it down like this, it's going to have an impact on a few other people too. A few other people like us. How many times have you? And again, some of you, this may be your first time ever being in church, or, or even if you're online, being at a worship service. And if it is, again, as Dan mentioned earlier, we're glad you're here. For others of you, you may have been in thousands of these worship services, and you have you may have grown up in. Sunday school and vacation Bible school and all the different things that churches do. And if that's your case, then you've seen the, the the storm being calmed on many flannel boards. Now, for those of you under fifty, maybe forty-five, flannel board was the old um the old video, you know, the, the old monitor. All right. It was a it was a felt piece of board. And, and, it, and stuff stuck to it, picture stuck to it, and, and it was really, really cool, you know? Now, again, the kids today probably wouldn't get that big of a kick out of it, although I think we still have some around, around here. But how many times have we read and heard this story? And it's amazing every single time we read it. Especially in the summer where some of us have been to the beach in the last month or two and we've seen the power of those waves and there's no way that a person can stop that. And you're saying, well, the Sea of Galilee and the ocean is a lot different. No, the Sea of Galilee has some big waves, some big storms. After October, I'll show you some pictures, I hope. But, but the Sea of Galilee is a deadly lake. These guys weren't crazy for being afraid except for their lack of faith knowing that Jesus wasn't going to drown out there. Well, Jesus helped increase their faith by doing his work, by showing them again who he is. And now this is part of their catalog of material. This is part of their portfolio in seeing the works of God through Jesus Christ, recognizing, again, He must be the one. He must be the one that we've been waiting for, we, the the children of Israel, that we've been waiting for. He must be the one who is going to come and set us free. Now remember, They had a difficult time distinguishing in the Old Testament prophecies what which prophecies are speaking of his first coming and which prophecies are speaking of his second coming. And so they've got that mixed up a lot, and they were expecting him to come and deliver them from Rome. But as they continued to hang around him, they kept, and we'll see it as we go through the gospel, they kept hearing more and more about the forgiveness of sins first. Because that was going to happen from his first coming because his first coming was going to end on that cross and in his resurrection. And this story, this episode in his life even helps us today recognize that he is God and he will do what his word says he will do. When we read this amazing story, And again, for some of us, it's for the hundredth or thousandth time. It still retains its power because only God can do that. Only the maker of that sea can calm that sea like that. Only the maker of the wind can calm that wind like that. None of us can. None of us all all combined together, you know, pooling together, all of our resources can do that but he can do it. And if he can do that, he can do the other things that he's promised he will do, including forgive us of our sins. See, it starts starts there. That's what his disciples needed more than they needed being saved, you know, from the waves. They needed to be forgiven of their sins because it was their sins that were separating them from God. And Jesus came and was already letting them know very clearly. Because remember, even when he spoke in parables, and we don't have all of this information, but the word says, every time he spoke in parables, he always went to them in, 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 you know, in private and explained to them the parables. Because he knew they had ears to hear. He's going to make sure that they got it. He's going to make sure that they understood it because they were going to be the ones that were going to be telling the stories over and over again. They were going to be the ones that were going to write it down or supervising those who were writing it down. So over and over again, we're going to see in the Gospel of Mark as we see in all the Gospels, stories that remind us that Jesus was no ordinary man. Jesus was no just great teacher. He was a great teacher but he was a lot more than that. When we see him calm this storm and the testimony of these apostles who were there, who saw it, who experienced it, who knew it, and their lives were never the same after all these things were taking place, they believed in him. They knew that he was who he said he was. When he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, they believed it. They believed it to the point that they all went to their death testifying to the truth of this good news, that Jesus is who he said he was, that Jesus would fulfill every promise that he made, and they knew that one of those promises was the promise of eternal life through the forgiveness of sins. They knew they were sinners. They proved it regularly, as we do. But they also knew that through the coming of the Messiah, they were going to be forgiven of their sins. He told them in the, in the, in the upper room, the last night before he went to the cross, as he got down on his hands and knees to wash their feet, he said, you've already had your bath. They already believed in him. They'd already been forgiven of their sins. They'd already been cleansed. They'd already been cleaned. We said, even somebody who's had a bath needs to have their feet washed. Because we're still stuck in this mire and this muck and this mud. And Some of it's like it is because of our sin. And he's still forgiving. He's still listening to our confession and forgiving us of every sin that we commit. But knowing that they were sinners, they put their trust in him. And so that they knew by the end of his life, by the time of his resurrection, by the time of of the Holy Spirit coming on all of them and, and in turning them loose into this world, they knew it to the degree that they were willing to die for the truth of the gospel. And this experience that they had on the lake that day, was one of those moments that increased their faith so that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the one that they were serving, that the one that they were worshiping was the very one that they were expecting. Jesus, the Son of God, Yeshua, the salvation of the Lord. They knew that salvation, they knew that forgiveness of sins was found in Him and only Him. So I ask you this morning... Do you recognize him as they did? Do you have the answer to the question they asked that night in terror on the lake? Who is this man? Who is he? Who can do this? Can you answer that question? And say that Jesus is who he said he was. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Which means that all who come to him are also coming to the Father. They're also going to spend eternity with him in his glory. And he's the only way. Have you come to the place in your life? Have you come to understand him in that way? As you see the scripture, as you see him revealed in his word, as you hear people tell the stories of him, as you hear the story of him dying on the cross, not for sins he had committed because he committed none. But he died there for us. Do you believe that? Do you believe He rose again on the third day? Again, these guys saw Him. These guys died for their testimony of that fact. Do you believe He rose again on the third day so that He can give life to every single person who believes, including you? And those of you who have put your trust in Jesus. Do you recognize that this same God Who calmed the sea that day lives in you and has made promises to you. And that every promise that he has made, he is going to keep and fulfill. Not always in the way and the timing that we want him to or that we think is best, but we recognize him as a good, good father. And remember one of the things that good, good fathers do, even if it causes us children pain, good, 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 good fathers do the right thing according to the bigger picture. What children don't understand, a good, good father does. Good, good parents do. Good, good grandparents do. And they'll allow someone, even their own child or grandchild, to experience pain. If it means them getting to live out the big picture. We've all had those experiences. When our parents knew better than we did. And they punished us in various ways. Back in the old days, especially various ways. And they punished us so that we would get the big picture? How many times do they tell us to obey not when we feel like it, not on the third try, but the first time, every time, when it's said? And how many times have our lives been spared because we responded on the first time? And now we're teaching our kids and our grandkids those same things. He has the big picture. He understands what we're going through. He knows it's painful sometimes. But he's also the same God who calmed that sea. And he will take care of us through every circumstance. Until that final moment when we're finished with this life and we enter glory in his presence. We can trust him. This same Jesus, who the disciples were saying, who is this? This same Jesus lives in us through faith, by the power of his Holy Spirit. And he will take care of us as he took care of his disciples. And some of you are saying, wait a minute. I don't like the way he took care of his disciples. I would say this to you. If you had an opportunity to have an interview with any of those disciples right now, they would tell you, you can trust him. He knows what he's doing. Give him thanks. Give him praise, even for the hard days, because he's going to bring you through them in a way that you're going to have an impact in people. Because remember, you're part of the light of the world. You're going to have impact in people that's going to last forever. So go his way. Stop fighting. Stop complaining. And accept him as he leads you through this life. Because he will do it in the right way. The same Jesus who is in the stern of that boat by the power of his spirit is in us. And he's given us this great record of all the things that he did and all the things that he said through his prophets and apostles. And we have all this material, and we have the body of Christ to encourage us and to help us. We can also Follow him as these, as these disciples did. We can live out. Oh, we're, not, we're never going to be on the Sea of Galilee and have him calm the storm, probably. But he's got storms to take us through ourselves. And we're going to find him to be the same faithful God that he was for those 12 that night in those other boats. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father... We thank you for providing for us a good, good Savior. We thank you for the work that you did through him in this earthly ministry. And Lord Jesus, we want to thank you this morning for going through all that. For doing what you did while you lived in this world. We thank you for dying on the cross for us. We thank you for rising again from the dead. We thank you for ascending to the right hand of the Father so that you could send your Holy Spirit to live in all of us who believe. Father, there may be some among us, some among us today, whether here in the building or online, who need your help to put their trust in you we pray that you would give them the wisdom and the faith and the courage to say yes to you this morning. To give up whatever else they've been trying to do to earn their way to you. That they would give up those efforts and they would put their faith in Jesus, the only one who could, who could live up to your expectations, who could live up to your perfection. And then give us Forgiveness of our sins and your own righteousness in our lives. Give them the courage and faith to do that this morning. And, Father, others of us have forgotten who you are and that you live in us. And that you have a plan for us and that you're taking us through this life for a purpose. And your intent is to grow us and to use us as you make us more and more like your son Jesus, even through the difficulties. And so help us to stand or sit or bow in amazement today as we consider this work that you did on that boat. And help us to remember that you're still doing your work, that you're still God, and that you're still in charge and that we can trust you. Help us to glory in you as we move through this life. In Jesus' name, amen.